Hi everyone and welcome to The Femaling Show. I am your host, Nicole Goodman, and I am a woman's identity expert and coach. As women, we fall into different phases of identity throughout adult life and during these, our challenges can look pretty similar. Here at WRS, I will be talking to you about the real issues we all face and even the ones we can silently struggle with. Through honest, heartfelt conversation here at Femaling, you will learn how to accept yourself, understand yourself and be yourself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Femaling. I'm your host, Nicole Goodman, and I am so excited about this week's episode. I am joined by the amazing Victoria Neve Spence. Victoria is a life coach, body confidence ambassador, and host of podcast Fit and Fearless. That was her bio, but actually, I think that's a bit humble. Victoria is a huge influencer for body positivity. I've been following her for ages. She takes us through on her social channels, her journey from um, a chronic eating disorder into becoming a very happy, contented woman, and now posts about, and her podcast is about healthy living, fitness, body positivity, Honestly, every post I resonate with so heavily, and I'm so glad I found you, Victoria. Welcome to Femaling. Oh, hi. That was the nicest bio ever. <laughs> well, I, I added. I added to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm always the worst at writing my own bio. Maybe I'll, I'll write your one down. Pass it on. Right, I, you know what? I'll I'll email it over to you because it's written down for me. But I did think when you when you sent it over to me, I thought, my God, she it is a very humble bio because that's not the whole truth. I mean, you have so many followers now, and there's so many. You are a real role model for women and for body confidence. And I just think that that absolutely has to be acknowledged because it's it's part of what draws me to you. Oh, thank you. I don't know. I just kind of see it as me just sharing my life and um, I don't know I, I see my life as quite mundane although I'm very content with it and quite happy so ah uh, well I actually funnily enough I think we're going to get much deeper into this mm-hmm. but I think contentment can look on the outside quite mundane it doesn't feel it when you're on the inside does it but actually what I found through contentment and you tell me about your journey is that it's the simplest things that make me happy yeah, definitely. I, I think I think as humans we strive for the most like heightened emotions. So extreme happiness, extreme excitement and extreme joy. And I think when we strive for that, then we that's kind of when we fall into a place of like depression and anxiety because mm. because we're like, why are we not feeling that all of the time? But when you are able to settle with just peace and contentment mm you just kind of find this natural flow through life and and I guess that's where you can pitch up your tent and you've know you kind of know that you've found um a nice level of happiness is that what happened to you you were going for the extreme highs like through your bodybuilding experience and your eating disorders before you before you kind of found yourself and started to recover would you say that that was a pattern of yours always kind of searching for that next high I think for me I was an I was an extreme perfectionist Mm. Um, and you know you probably get so many people coming on here saying they're a a perfectionist but I just um throughout my life and especially with my my dancing because I trained as a dancer um, and it got quite serious from the age 11 um and I was just always wanting to be the best of the best. And so when everybody else would have left the studio, I'd still be there going over it again and again and again. And sometimes my teachers would come in and be like, Vic, stop. And wow. but like to me, I was like, no, because I'm I'm not I'm not there yet. I know I can do better. And I think for me, I was just always striving for this, this, you know, perfect and I was never going to get there because, you know, obviously I know now that there's there's absolutely no um, real definition of perfect and can anybody be perfect. And did you ever, did you ever find that perfection? I mean, were there like those brief moments in your life? You're like, yes, I've done it when you're standing on stage at your bodybuilding competition, for example, or when you're doing the dance, like, did you ever get there? And And if you did, what was the experience of it like talking to all the perfectionists that are listening because I think that's something that most women Mm -hmm. do struggle with to a certain degree I think 
I think what I recognized as perfect, and this is this is now looking back, having done a lot of work on myself with therapists and coaches and mentors, um, I think perfect to me was was being acknowledged and it was mm. being, you know, pull, pulled out in the class as being, you know, the person who's tried the hardest and the person who did the routine the best or the person who won the competition. And, um, you know, obviously doing work on my inner child, it obviously came from this this place of when I was, younger and and you know this is my, my parents were incredible you know they worked really really hard and maybe I as a child didn't feel like I was getting that praise and that um that kind of being mm. up from my parents so then I kind of went through life thinking right well you know I'm, I'm not getting this from my parents or maybe I'm not going to get it from anyone and the only way that I'm going to get it from everyone is if I aim for this like top level of things I can't just be good I've got to be the best so at what point were you able to like put that perfection down because that's that's a big thing to be driven by always having Mm -hmm. to be the best and I would imagine that that weighs quite heavy on on a young girl and a teenager Mm -hmm. and then you know coming up into young adult life how did you start to heal from that Mm -hmm. so after my eating disorder I then kind of got into bikini competing which I know looking back was just a a eating disorder in disguise which you was actually praised for which is quite sad when I look back um and I guess after that I started to do really deep work on myself and realized that all of the things that I was doing were to like as I've said get this outward praise and it was like who can I be on the outside to get this acknowledgement and I guess it didn't help that growing up and I don't want this to sound um like really big-headed but I don't really know the you know like the best way to get it across I was always so my family would always be like oh she's a pretty one so there was my my cousin who was so clever so intelligent she was like really scientific she just was amazing at this stuff and she was my age and she was the clever one and I was just the pretty one so I think that from a really young age gave me this idea that the only thing I have to give is my outside it's my appearance it's whatever I can do um do to get this like praise from other people because I need to remain the pretty one and it wasn't until um, after the bodybuilding, because obviously that, again, that's me changing my outer appearance to get praise. Um, and when I came out of the bodybuilding, I then, I just kind of, I started to work with different coaches and I, and I started to really work on my beliefs and my values. And I started to figure myself out and where I'd always thought I was, like, I, and I genuinely used to say this and maybe only up until about two years ago did I stop saying this I used to always be like I'm, I'm just I'm thick like I'm not clever at all um because I was never at school I was never massively academic and it wasn't until I sat down with one of my mentors and he was like Vic you need to stop saying this because yeah you might not be um, you might not have the highest IQ but he was like and I think this at the time I was maybe like 22 he was like for your age you've got like the highest EQ, like emotional intelligence um, of a girl that I've ever met. And he was like, that is your superpower. And it was after that conversation that I was like, do you know what? Maybe I'm not um, the brightest spark when it comes to writing and reading and, and, and things like that. But actually, I do have a lot to bring to the table because I think you can improve your overall intelligence. Um, but it's really hard to build your emotional intelligence. And I was kind of born with that level of wisdom. And when I started to see these parts of myself that was more to give than my appearance, I was able to really let go of that perfectionism because I realized um, one time a coach actually said to me, he was like, Vic, you are a beautiful mess. And he was like, I just, and I wouldn't change the world because that, you know, that is what you bring to the table. So um, yeah, I think it was stepping out of my, um, you know, letting my appearance go and figuring out who who I really am and, and what I really do bring to the table beyond pretty. Oh, I mean, you've just sent shivers down me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that 
we as women are, and I actually wrote a post about this this morning, you know, the social conditioning it all around us is to be pretty, is to be smaller, is to be quiet, is to be polite, is to be nice, is to be good. And so all, all the messaging around have, you know, buy this lipstick, it will change your life or buy the shoes or everything is designed to make us want to look better and to improve our appearance all the time. So for you to step out, and say, actually, I'm so much more than what I look like, I think mm-hmm. takes so much bravery and courage because it's going against what society has taught us, you know, where our worth lies. It, it goes against the grain. Mm-hmm. And so many women still you, you put so much importance on it. And, it. and it is important to a certain degree. Like, we all like to look nice. I've spent my life being a hair and makeup artist. So, you know, I, I earn a living doing that. Yeah. And I know that how important it is for how it makes a woman feel when mm-hmm. she looks better and the confidence that it gives her. But I think it can go to such a destructive place so quickly because when you're, as, as you said, you're driven by it and that's all you can offer the world is what you look like. That's when the disorders start, isn't it? The mm-hmm. disordered thinking the disordered eating the disordered living Mm -hmm. and I I, and I just I resonate with so much of what you've said because we've been on such a similar journey um and you know my life's work now is about I loved what you put on your Instagram your tagline is I just want every woman to feel good about themselves and I thought so beautiful and so simple and that's exactly where I come from because there is so much pressure on women. There is so much, so much messaging that tells us that we don't have to like ourselves and we're not even allowed to like ourselves. And even in that, that moment where you felt uncomfortable sharing with us that you were the pretty one, mm-hmm. like that was just a fact. I mean, you are, you're a beautiful woman. Of, of Anyone who looks at you for one second can see that. Mm-hmm. And yet it's still ingrained in us that we're not allowed to accept those parts of ourselves or not be open about them. And I think that's why I love the work that you're doing because it's it's okay to stand in who you are Mm -hmm. and that and that's what comes across to me now is that you just you stand you stand in that you stand in what you what you bring and you bring so much influence and so much positivity and so much reality Mm -hmm. and I just I know I keep saying it but I I thank you so much for it because some of your posts were just like I was like screaming out the top of my yes 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 this woman is amazing um when was the moment that you knew that there was a problem and you wanted to get better was there a defining moment for you yeah I mean I guess the the first time I ever realized that there was any kind of problem was was throughout my eating disorder and um that started for you know people often say do you know do you know why it was like what triggered that and um I think when it comes to an eating disorder yes sometimes there is a, a huge significant event for people to trigger some kind of mental health issue but for me it was like a number of little things and I was I was always the happy person who everybody else came to with their problems and I'm still that person I think I just mm-hmm. I swear I feel like there must be some kind of sign above my head or just some expression on my face that says come and share with me your problems um, and I talk to you because I, I can literally I could walk into a random job and say it's like a photo shoot or something the photographer will be like start telling me about his his problems with his family and his wife and his department and I'm like okay tell me more but I love it um so I, it's I, a superpower as your mentor said yeah. it is your superpower yeah yeah so oh. that that was my life growing up and like all my friends would come to me but whenever things happened to me I would just kind of brush it off and be like smile my way through it and um you know as it does with everyone there was things going on with my family and um then there was everything I was trying to live up to in like the dance world and everything just kind of got on top of me and and this this level of perfectionism where I felt like right I've, I've reached as good as I feel like I can get as um as a dancer so now I need to make sure that I look perfect and oh. and just just kind of 
heading off onto that journey and just doing little bits to try and get the perfect dance body because I was always reminded that my body was my CV. Um, I kind of got lost with it all. And I think as I was kind of going into that spiral and went a little bit too far, that's when the thi- like all of the traumas of like the, the child of me and the things that I'd pushed down throughout my whole life and just smiled my way through, they kind of come back and bite you. I think every kind of issue or, you know, whatever it is that we go through, no matter how big or small, if we don't face it head on, then we, it's only going to come back and bite us. Like there's no such thing as just like throwing it, to the, throwing it away. Like we can't just do that unless we actually feel through it and heal it, heal with it. So I, as I was kind yeah. of going into my eating disorder, I, I had no idea that anything was wrong. I just thought that I was just getting fit and I was really dedicated and and everybody else hated how dedicated I was. That was literally yes. And yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was just like, why why is everybody hating on me? Like there were girls at college who would go to my principal and be like and, and say things to her about me and my weight. And then she'd come and pull me out of class and she'd she'd start and you know telling me what they've said and and airing her concerns and I I just kept thinking like they're just jealous and that that was literally my mindset and obviously looking back I know that they just was caring about me because I was a friend um but that's the kind of headspace that um you know an eating disorder can kind of get you in so I remember I remember the day that I realized that there was an issue and it was I think I'd been kind of losing weight and I wasn't I wasn't super, super poorly um, just at this time, but there was a time throughout college and, and I would always get picked to like demonstrate things and to, um, I don't know, be one of the main parts and things like that. And that, st- that started to stop. And I feel like it was because I was, I was really losing weight and I was so underweight and you could see like my bones and things that my teachers didn't want me to be exerting any more energy than I absolutely needed to. And... So I started to notice that. And then I started to, obviously, with the kind of eating disorder, the eating disorder is like this horrible inner critic. And we all have an inner critic. But when you start to kind of go down the hole of a men- with, with mental health um, illnesses, that inner critic becomes really, really amplified. And it's almost louder than your own voice. And that inner critic yeah. was telling me, like, Vic, you're, not, you're no good anymore. Like, you might as well just give up. Nobody likes you. The teachers don't like you anymore. And that's, they were the voices that was kind of going around my head. And I remember I was driving to college. Well, I went to set off to go to college um, one morning. And the voices just got so loud. And I think that was, like, the first time I experienced, like, a real, like, panic attack. And I was in my car, and I, I just burst into tears. And I just couldn't hold oh. back. Um and I ended up turning around and going back home and I knocked on the door and oh god even when I think about this it makes me feel mm. awful but um I, I rang the doorbell and my mum opened it and, and she was like what are you doing and I was like mum I hate myself and mm. it was I think it was quite a relief to her because she could see that there was there was something wrong she knew that the way that I was acting and being around food and exercise wasn't how I usually was um so she just basically sat me down and then and, and took me to, to to the doctors that day and um it wasn't the best experience with the doctors I think mm. sometimes um they can well back then they, they failed us a little bit on the mental health front but that was definitely the moment that I realized it's such a long um road isn't it from that moment of realizing that there's a problem it's not like right well I'm going to get better now it doesn't really work like that um and I've had my own experience with eating disorder to know that from that moment of of realization of oh right something's not right and your body that was like it was screaming at you wasn't it it was like enough I am not going to let you do this to yourself it was kind of your savior I guess that moment that it that it created a panic attack for you um but then there's a long road ahead right you've got to unlearn a lot of behaviors that you've learned along the way you've got to let go of so many things that have kind of felt like they've kept you surviving and thriving Mm -hmm. so when you started to get better and you started Mm -hmm. to see food differently Mm -hmm. like 
how long do you think it was before you kind of started to really have a healthy relationship towards food and exercise and yourself, I guess? Gosh, I mean, from that moment, so I was 18 then, and um, that moment of realisation was, like, as you said, it was only a moment of realisation. I still didn't feel like I was there yet. Um, I, I, was, I still got a lot worse from that point. Um, and I kind of hit an absolute rock bottom um, when I was... 19 um and then when I'd kind of hit that point I just knew that I couldn't live my life like that anymore I was told um that I was I was basically gonna lose my life in a matter of weeks if I didn't if I didn't turn my life around and I think when I heard that I I almost realized how serious it was um and I don't know what it was in me that felt like I needed to hear that but you know that was obviously something and Mm. so when I heard that I just kind of remember thinking what am I doing to myself like I I've worked so hard to to train and to um you know be the best dancer that I could be and I had this whole career ahead of me um and instead I've decided to take this path and I kind of just woke up that day and I'm a very like headstrong person so when I know when I've set my mind to something I know that I'm gonna do it and it was kind of from that day that I started my my recovery but then you know as I think a lot of people who have suffered with anorexia will be able to really relate to this like when you start to gain weight and you start to kind of get um, a little bit more normal it, it can freak you out And although I have therapists, I never really got a nutritionist or anything like that. So when I'd kind of gained quite a bit of weight and I'd got my period back and things like that, I panicked. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm living in this bigger body. I don't know how to deal with it. Um, And then that was when I ended up up falling into competing. With that, that, I told myself, Uh oh, I'm going to do a photo shoot. Because at this point, I'd... um, decided to leave personal training behind um, not personal training I'd leave, leave the dance world behind and then um when I'd kind of got into a healthy weight with my um eating disorder I started I started with a personal trainer and he he helped me a lot he helped me navigate the gym and he taught me how to weight train and I started to feel really empowered through doing that and he taught me a lot about personal development he was the first person to introduce me to beliefs and limiting beliefs and values and things like that and I think so and then after that I decided that I wanted to become a personal trainer because I loved how much he'd helped me wow, yeah. and then when I when, when I started to when I started personal training and, and I started to have to basically run my own business and I think at this I think I was 19 this was late um late on 19 nearly 20 I like panic because I felt so out of control of so many things and you probably be able to relate that an eating disorder is you know it's, it's a form of control it's the way that we can control things when we can't control everything else that's going on in our lives yeah. um so I then ended up kind of committing to do a bikini competition and I did the first one and I ended up like winning it I, I've got no idea wow. <laughs> so after that it meant that I was in another competition maybe like eight months later, which then meant I had to diet again for eight months. And at first I felt like I was fine. I felt like I had, like I was in control of myself. I wasn't going to fall back into eating disorder tendencies or habits. Um, But then the more I dieted and the more I had to kind of gain this relationship with a scale again, because I always had to send measurements and things like that to my coach, the more I started to feel those, um, feelings and not that inner critic and that loud eating disorder voice come back and 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 just just for the people that don't know what like the bodybuilding life looks like presumably you had to weigh all your food you had to mm. eat five six times a day at very certain periods of time you had to eat certain mm. foods at certain times of the day is that right was that kind of the life that you were living yeah yeah and you you have your your week of um training and 
training is basically just the like weights and then above that you might have cardio so like on top of that you'll have cardio in the same day so sometimes you go into the gym twice a day it's excessive um and I think the hardest thing with bikini competitions and being a competitor like a bodybuilder is it is a super unhealthy lifestyle but you are championed for living that lifestyle yes and yes when I had my um when I had anorexia you know, people would look at me with this sorry face and be like, you know, kind of encourage me to let go of those eating habits and get better. Whereas when you are doing bikini competing or bodybuilding, um, you you know, people are clapping you. I won a trophy, mm. for God's sake. Yeah, like, oh my God, yes. Disorder. And, and, you know, looking back now, I'm like, why did nobody just grab my head and give me a shake? Um, and also because you had just and I say recovered in the loosest sense of the term Mm -hmm. you had just recovered from anorexia you've recovered from an eating disorder and here you are again Mm -hmm. in disordered eating although probably what everyone's seeing is well hold on she wasn't eating now Mm -hmm. she is eating Mm -hmm. and you know what's what's missing for me here is that like no one's as you said, that there was no nutritionist, there was mm-hmm. the system let you down a bit. There was no one kind of teaching you and allowing you to relearn how to eat. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a disordered, if when you have an eating disorder, you you actually come out of it. My first thought to myself was, I don't know how to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, so true. But I think even people who haven't suffered with an eating disorder, I think there's a a large number of women who don't know how to eat in a way that they don't know how to listen to their bodies because we're so conditioned to um, by diet culture by you know believing that we should be doing eating in all of these different ways that we've forgotten how to honor our actual feelings and you know Mm. when we're hungry and when we're full and what we're craving and what we should have and what we shouldn't have and um so yeah it was it was a really confusing time for me and I think when, so when I'd finished my competing, I I was with a guy at the time and he ended up like cheating on me and things, but it was it was a blessing that he did that. Like I wanted out of that relationship. Um and ended up kind of ended up meeting Mike, who is my partner now. And he Mike is one of those people who is just so comfortable in themselves. Like He's like, this is me and, you know, I'm not going to change for anybody. Um, and he had, he had like a really normal relationship with food and exercise. Like it was just really healthy. And I remember just thinking, I cannot be weighing my food and doing all of this weird stuff with this guy because he's going to think that I am a weirdo. And <laughs> when, yeah. so as I started to kind of let loose with food and obviously started to gain weight from um, the bikini competing and whenever I would say things like, oh, feel like I feel really fat like I feel horrible he would just say to me um oh does that make you a bad person and wow the, the more he would wow. say things like that to me the, the more I just started to realize like no I'm not my body I am so much more like I'm not a bad person if I gain weight so yeah he he's been a massive, massive and pet. it's it it's such an obvious thing isn't it no, I'm not a bad person if I gain weight. I mean, that sounds like even that in its entirety sounds totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, but I have lived that life along very much alongside you of mm-hmm. if I gain weight, that equals me being bad or that equals judgment or, you know, people will look at me and think a certain thing when, of course, it was only me judging myself. Mm-hmm. No one else cares. Like the people that mm-hmm. love me couldn't care less what size jeans I'm in they just want me Mm -hmm. to be happy um and it's what we look like as especially women and I think it's happening more and more with men now sadly is so attached to our worth and what you're pointing to I think is that yours just went to an extreme my went to an extreme but that but there's no there was there was no information at the mm-hmm. time of how to just be balanced mm-hmm. with it. I mean, thank God you met Mike so that you could, you had something to work towards. You had someone that you wanted to do it for. And then I'm assuming mm-hmm. 
you wanted to do it for yourself. And Mm -hmm. so, so you started to find more balance because you were falling in love with this guy and Mm -hmm. you wanted to make the relationship work. Is that, is that right? Is that that correct assumption? Yeah, I guess so. It's he, he just gave me this perspective that I just had never had before. And the more he would repeat those things to me whenever I would self-sabotage, the more I would realize that, like, why why don't I just have more of a mic mindset? Why would I, why would I (laughs) beat myself up over things that are so irrelevant? Like, if this guy can love me while I'm gaining, um, gaining weight and, you know, just eating what I want, then maybe I am a lovable person um, the way that I am. And I don't need to be, you know super lean I don't need to be super skinny I can just be me yeah yeah beautiful and so from that place of being you Mm -hmm. like what what did you discover oh so much I think (laughs) as I I was explaining before um with the the whole being clever um that was one of my biggest, the biggest things that was holding me back because I always just thought that I wasn't worth listening to. Um, I didn't have good ideas. I didn't have anything to bring to the table because I wasn't, I wasn't smart at school. Um, and I struggled when it came to reading and writing. And I guess over that time, I started to realize that like, no, I I am so clever in my own way. And I've got so much to bring to the table. And I think when I started to really focus on that stuff, like focus on the things that I was good at, focus on the people who I can help with my wisdom and, you know, focus on my superpowers. And I started to stop thinking about the things that I can't do. Um, And in focusing on the things that I'm really good at, it's helped me you know, not put pressure on myself with when it comes to being the best reader and writer. And it's actually made me enjoy that even more. So I've been able to get better at that whilst really honing in on the things that I'm actually good at. Um, and yeah, I think I just, oh, I, I'm literally, if you'd have met me like five years ago, I was just a completely different person. I've just, I've really realized my worth. And mm. in, in realizing that I'm, so much more I've always been quite an outspoken person but you know I'll kind of walk into a room and like I'm, I'm not a people pleaser I'm not somebody who feels like I need everybody to like me um you know I don't mold myself into somebody who is likable and likewise I don't I don't get massively offended if people you know don't like me and don't take to me and that's something that like before my eating disorder I wanted everybody to to like me and I you know it would really play on my mind if I felt like somebody disliked me whereas literally now I'm just like you know this is me um this is how I come you know people people are going to like me as like me as I am and people aren't and that's absolutely fine like I'm still well there's there's a necessary switch in the brain isn't there and I say this to my to my 12 year old often when she if she's going through, oh, I don't think they like me. Mm-hmm. And I and I say it to my clients a lot as well. Well, but do you like them? Mm-hmm. Like you're so busy focusing on what someone else thinks of you that we yeah. often, so often mm-hmm. forget to think, well, what do I think of them? And then yeah. that creates a whole different dialogue with ourselves, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Like the narrative starts to change because then yeah. we don't have to stand in that people-pleasing. We get to stand in what we truly want for ourselves, what we mm-hmm. want to bring into our space, what we don't want to bring into our space. And suddenly we're in total control. We're, we're in charge. We're in charge mm-hmm. of our own life. And yeah. yeah, I think yeah. You know, even a deeper question is like, do you like you? And yes. if you was to meet you, would would you like who you were? And if not, then what needs to change? Like, are you living by your values or are you not? Are you living um, to please other people or are you living for yourself? And I think there's so much there's so much energy from somebody who you know is is fully stepping into who they are, regardless of what other people think. Um, a, a big um, quote actually I'm such a quotey person um, me too, me too. Yes. Yeah, that I, I heard this quote 
And it was, don't let the people in the cheap seats have an expensive opinion on your life. And honestly, I read that quote I remind myself of it often and oh changed my life oh and also the one that came up for me as you were speaking I think it's by Marianne Williamson mm-hmm. and it said and I'm gonna completely and utterly balls this up and paraphrase because it is one of my favorite <laughs> my favorite quotes but it it basically says as you step into who you are you are automatically giving others permission to do the same yes so okay so you started to get better you started to get some therapy really work on yourself you were in your relationship with Mike how was your relationship with food and yourself changing I I just started to step away from the rules and the control Mm. that I had around food and I started to hand that control over and I can't remember if I got this from working with a a mentor or a coach um but it was it was changing my idea of control and realizing that like being in control isn't Um, being in control of every single thing in your life and being able to control every single outcome of everything that might happen and actually being in control is being in control you know like being okay with whatever happens and knowing that you're going to be okay being in control of your reaction to whatever happens um because that's the only thing that we can control we can only control ourselves we can't control other people we can't control other situations that involve other people because it involves other people so when we start to change that idea of control into you know I can't control every outcome but I can control myself I think it really really helps me step away from um obsessing about food and obsessing about um, exercise and then I, st- I stepped away from the scale and I stopped measuring myself and weighing myself mm-hmm. and I just been you know doing a lot of this work on myself and realizing who I was on the inside made me stop obsessing about about my appearance so then when it came to food again you know it didn't bother to me if I gained weight or I lost weight because um, you know I'm still me if I'm yeah. 50 kilos or if I'm 60 kilos Yes, 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 of course. Yeah. And so by stepping away from all of that negativity and all of that self-sabotage, you get to then Mm -hmm. step into self-love, don't you? You get to step into Mm -hmm. happiness and, as you said before, your values and really live from who you are rather than what you look like or the worry of the fear of what other people might see because the thing is is that we uh, you can't control other people and the the last thing you can control is what other people think of you you know that Mm -hmm. saying of what people think of you is none of your business I mean I love that Mm -hmm. yeah so so true there's um I can't remember a name now she's like a a really spiritual coach and she she has a thing which is that your business, my business and God's business. And whether people are religious or not, I think like a big thing for me and really stepping into myself has been realizing that, you know, there's something bigger than me. There is a higher power. And in doing that, that's allowed me to rest and settle into myself and know that everything's going to be okay because I'm being taken care of. And with this idea of there's your business, my business, God's God's business, it's like, just focus on you. What can you do? What do you want to do? Let them do what they want to do. If they want to be, um, you know, nasty and whatever towards you, then that's fine. Like leave them to it. And, and God or the higher power, the universe, the spirit, the source, whatever people refer refer it to, that's going to sort everything out. That's going to make sure everything's okay down here. If you get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's having that faith and trust, isn't it? That there's Mm -hmm. something bigger than us and just to be able to stand in who you are and let the rest all fall magically into place. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's, that's the ultimate of enlightenment. I can manage, I can manage that briefly (laughs) in brief, like the odd day here and there. It doesn't, I'd love that to be able to stick every single Mm -hmm. day and just to have live in that faith and live in that trust. 
And I, yeah. I do, I do very strongly believe in it. I really do. Mm-hmm. And, when, and when I do sit in it, when I do allow for it and sit in the flow and sit in the trust, one magical, wonderful things start happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so true, so true. It took me going on to, so I was actually invited on it um, for work. It was this retreat and they basically wanted me to go and do like stories and, and posts. And I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was just going on a bit of like a fitness retreat. And it turned out to be the most crazy spiritual experience of my life. And before then, I'd, I'd like dabbled into spirituality. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really get it. I tried to meditate, but meditation for me was just like sitting in silence for 10 minutes and, and then you're done. And I went on this retreat and it was a week long and it was so spiritual. We did um, meditative dance. We did sharing circles. We did burning. We did chanting. It was it was out of this world. Like it, all my friends were like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> that experience changed my life and changed my relationship with spirituality and um, like faith. And from then I was really, I felt really able to kind of sit and just trust that everything was just going to work out as it was meant to be. Oh, and just from that place of trust, all that control, all that worry, all that panic, it just, it just disappears, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It just completely disappears. And actually, it's not about what you step away from, but it, I think the most important thing is, and what you're absolutely saying now is what you stepped into was so much more mm-hmm. healthy, so much more fulfilling, so mm-hmm. much more nourishing for your soul that all the mm-hmm. other stuff starts to dissipate, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did the, um, so, okay, so so now we're getting an idea of your timeline. When did the the influence, and I, I, for want of a better word, the influence of things start to take off for you? Like when did you realize that you really had something to say and people wanted to hear it? So actually when I, literally the day I decided that I wanted to start my recovery from my eating disorder um so this was when I was 19 I think um I started an Instagram platform away from my Instagram that I just used to post pictures of nights out and things like that with friends um and it was because at the time and you probably experienced this as well when when I was really going through it, I completely isolated myself from everyone. Um, I didn't want to speak to anyone. I obviously had therapy, but, um, you know, I didn't really want to cooperate with them. Um, I also just, I just didn't feel like I could speak to anyone. I just felt like I was on my own. So I started this Instagram platform, a separate one. And I just start, I just used to post like food and how I was feeling. And I just used it as a diary. And I didn't expect anybody to, you know, want to follow it. It was just for me. And I don't know what it was that made me want to do it on Instagram and not like in a notebook, but that just felt right for me at the time. So I did that. And after, after a couple of months, I was getting like quite a few people follow the account. And these were, these were also people who who were struggling with eating disorders. And they were almost looking up to me then to get better because I was inspiring them to get better. And Mm -hmm. When I started to notice that and, you know, notice people kind of commenting and messaging me and being like, do you know what? You're really inspiring me because you ate a chocolate bar. I've just gone and eaten a chocolate bar, like little things like that. Yeah. And yeah. it was when I started to see that and see that happening that I realized I'm not just doing, I'm not just doing this recovery stuff for me. Like I'm doing it for all of these girls who are watching me. And when so that's kind of how it started and it's still the exact same account today like if you were to scroll right to the bottom it's mm-hmm. it's my disorder recovery um so I yeah just kind of it kind of grew like that and then I ended up meeting um Zana and Tally who, who also do the same work that I do and we met way back when we went to this like fitness expo together this was when I was like kind of recovered and we ended up then starting a company called the girl games and um we would host events for women and um it was we were kind of like the first people to be doing that at the time I was maybe like 20 21 and 
um, yeah, it just kind of started. That was when I knew that I was making a real big difference because that was when I actually started to meet people face to face. And I was in front of people um, sharing messages and things like that. But obviously I've grown a lot since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just kind of grew with me. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I still find it bad. Like I never, some people, it, you know, if people meet me who follow me on social media and, and they'll be a bit like, ah, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it, it still feels weird to me because I'm I'm just like, oh, I'm just a normal girl who just shares shares a life on Instagram and, you know, tries to help people as much as as much as I can. And you and you do, and you helped me so much with your post. Even even though when I re- read it and read it, I come from a healed, recovered place. Mm-hmm. To still, you know, I think it's a part of me that will always need healing and that will always need addressing, if I'm being really honest. Mm-hmm. Like my relationship mm-hmm. with food is like completely different to what it was five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's still going to be work for me to do there and how I feel about myself. I have to keep, you know, I keep reminding myself of all the all the stuff that I've learned over the years of how to step Mm -hmm. into self-love how to be confident and happy with who I am and it's Mm -hmm. for me it it takes a lot of work and I'm grateful for that because it means that I understand on an incredibly deep level how to coach Mm -hmm. my clients and the women around me how to help them from a very empathetic place from a very real Mm -hmm. place and sometimes we can sit and cry together and that's and it's a very beautiful thing Um, so I get to connect with the people that follow me, the people that I coach and my friends and family who need that extra support. I connect from such a real place and I can just feel that you do too. Mm -hmm. And every, every post just speaks to me. So I really do from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your openness and thank you for your recovery and thank you for sharing it thank you for allowing that diary to be a part of so many other women's lives because it's you have such a necessary voice you really do oh thank you so much thank you honestly well I mean it I mean it your account is uh yeah it's one I avidly follow and one I really look forward to seeing your updates and your posts because it just you're so inspiring and you're so real and you speak from such a place of depth and understanding. So I'm glad that gets across. It does. It really, it really does. Um, so what do you, like, if you had to sum this up and this is a big question, um, Mm -hmm. what do you want for women? I like my idea of the perfect world would just be women stepping into themselves and you know not feeling like they need to live up to their conditioning and actually making their own decisions for themselves and I guess overall just realizing that their bodies are the least interesting things about them and you know and if, if you're not your body then who are you if you're not your work then who are you if you're not your family your boyfriend your friends then who are you and you know asking yourself those deep questions and really stepping into that not being defined by anything but just being who you are beautiful mm-hmm. love that yeah. and if you could say something to a woman who might be listening to this and struggling with her body image or her self-confidence or self-belief like what words of advice would you give to her I think that it's a daily practice we're constantly reminded um you know that we need to exercise to keep up and being healthy and we should you know eat nutrient-dense foods to be healthy but we're never reminded that we need to keep practicing our our minds and strengthening our minds and our mental health. And in order to genuinely step away from, from your body and your struggles and whatever it is that you're going through right now, you need to have these daily practices and these daily rituals to, you know, strengthen your voice and quieten the inner critic. And some of the really, really simple things that I do when I get my clients to do is like every morning we brush our teeth um I hope so anyway so that's like two minutes (laughs) two minutes of every day when you know that you're 
you've got this kind of routine. So instead of feeling like you need to add more things in, during that two minutes that you're brushing your teeth, look yourself dead in the mirror, in your eye, and repeat some affirmations. So, you know, as, as you're creating these kind of these positive affirmations and you're telling yourself, I'm enough, I am strong, I am brave, I am wise, and whatever affirmation works with you, you're creating these pathways in your brain and you know what you believe you become. So yes. even if at first you feel like you're just completely lying to yourself, um, over time you will really start to believe that. And I think when you can create these daily practices where you're teaching yourself that you love yourself, like another thing I love to get people to do is write a list of 25 things that you love. And obviously we're a little bit restricted right now because of, of lockdown, but um, write 25 things that you love. What's on there? Maybe you love dancing in the kitchen. Maybe you love reading a book. Maybe you love having a bath. And I always just say, choose one of those things to do for at least one hour every week, because the more you give back to yourself and just do things for you, the more you're telling yourself that you are worthy, you are enough and you're deserving. Um, so yeah I think it's just it's constant daily practices are going to help you get out of a space of completely obsessing about your body um, and your mental health and instead giving back to yourself and you know showing yourself that self-love thank you what beautiful takeaway I'm so doing that when I clean my teeth because it doesn't Mm -hmm. take any extra time like you really spoke to me there it's not going to add anything to my day and yeah and it is a daily practice thank you thank you for reminding us what it takes to be human and what it takes to be a woman in today's very crazy weird world especially at the Mm -hmm. moment Victoria how can people find you if they want to know more of your work um so most of my things are on Instagram and that's at Victoria Neve spelt N-I-A-M-H um, not the Irish way and um, other than that I've got a podcast which is called Fit and Fearless and you can find that on any podcast app and that's with um, the other two girls who I have one of my companies with and um, yeah that's me I've got a couple of different groups on Facebook but you can find out about them through my Instagram thank you Thank you so much. I know that people will be uh, definitely tuning into your podcast as I do too. Um, Again, thank you. Thank you for being a wonderful guest on Femaling and thank you for sharing your story and your heart with us. It really means a lot to me. Thank you so much for giving me the space to share. No, it honestly means a lot to me too. You have been listening to the Femaling Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Goodman. Thank you so much for your time and for listening today. If you love this podcast and found value in it, please go and subscribe, write a brilliant review, and go and share it with your friends who need a bit of femaling in their world. You can find me on all social media channels for more of my work, Instagram at Nicole Goodman underscore coach, Facebook, Nicole Goodman Women's Identity Coach, and you can also find my private Facebook group where all the magic and conversation happens with a really amazing community of women. Thank you again for joining me today. This has been Femaling. I'll be back next week with another episode. And remember, it is the most exciting time to be a woman.